Previously in Supernity. The moment of fulfilment was upon them. They all knew it. The air was electric. The anticipation was unbearable. They closed their eyes. And then, and then, nothing. The moment of fulfilment passed. But suddenly there was a sharp snap and a billion eyes opened. The fulfilment fruit had vanished. The fulfilment fruit. They all looked around, searching for it. Who could have taken it? Look, cried the sharp-eyed recorder again, and every eye beheld the sight of the fulfilment fruit plummeting earthwards twisting and reeling as it fell through eternity outside of space and time. It did not fall gracefully as the promise petals had, and it must have been heavy for it fell like a stone gathering speed all the way. There is no angel or archangel that could have stopped it. A shadow raced across the ground to meet it with a thud. The beautiful, flawless fulfilment fruit rolled over to show a big, bruised cheek. One by one, unclean birds, also sharp-eyed, swooped down to the ground to investigate. They bobbed and hopped all around it, fearfully eyeing the fulfilment fruit from every angle. They encircle it. The biggest and ugliest, and it has to be said the most pompous, of the unclean birds stepped forward and pecked at it, piercing the beautiful, flawless skin of the fulfilment fruit. The angels gasped. An ugly squawk split the air, and all the unclean birds rushed at it as one, mercilessly hacking at the precious fruit with cruel beaks. The angels would have driven them off if the Father God had not himself restrained them. What followed was horrific. But after the birds had done everything they wanted to the fruit, they just flew away, one by one, unpunished. What remained was an unrecognisable mess, and plainly beyond any hope of salvation. What had once been flawlessly beautiful and so sweet was now sour and would forever be repulsive. The entire story, from tree to blossom to fruit, had been for nothing, and this time the Father God himself joined in with the weeping of the angels. Why had he allowed it? But even as they pondered the supernal question, to add insult to destruction, the remains of the fulfilment fruit became infested with all manner of creeping, crawling things. After that the worms came, and when even the worms refused what was left, then it could truly be said that all things had done everything they wished to the fruit of the great and ancient tree, and all things from birds to bacteria had discarded it as worthless. Just one thing remained, a small black stone. It had been hidden, apparently, at the heart of the fulfilment fruit. After that, there was no more change to be had, for no one wanted a small black stone. It was beyond worthless. It would not even rot.
All was quite still now in eternity. The breath of God no longer moved the branches of the tree. Even the dove had stopped her cooing. Perhaps she had flown away. Even the great and ancient tree that supported the heavens seemed to have given up. It seems the tree had invested everything it was, all its goodness and wealth and mystery, into that one fulfilment fruit. And now the great and ancient tree was spent. It had, in fact, gone to seed. A lonely leaf drifted to the ground. Another fluttered down after it. Then another, and another. One by one, the great and ancient tree began to shed its uncountable leaves. They came slowly at first, and then faster, and faster, until a mighty rustling filled all eternity, and the whole surface of the ground began to rise, covered in a deepening shroud of death. And so, leaves fell constantly, all eternal autumn long. After another age, they began to slow and thin out until there were no more leaves to fall. Eternity looked and felt very different now, joyless and stark and empty. Only a handful of recording angels remembered the twig, now bare, where a promise blossom had bloomed, and the spot on the ground below where a fulfilment fruit had once fallen, was bruised, was marred beyond all recognition, rejected, discarded, and forgotten. This was bitterness beyond any tears. Autumn chilled into an eternal winter. There was no celebrating anything anymore. No exploration of eternity seemed worthwhile, for what could fill the void left by an empty promise blossom and the unfulfillment so great a fruit. The cold wind quickened and tore through the branches of the great and ancient tree, clattering them together and snapping off its fingers. The angels clung together for shelter against its cold, dead trunk, and this is how it was for, well, it seemed like eternity. There came a day in that eternal place that was not quite as cold and dark as the day before. And perhaps the wind was not quite so cold or hard. Another day came that seemed brighter. The ground felt softer and a quiet sound, like trickling water, had replaced the howling wind. The day after that eternal day was a little warmer. The angels were able to stretch their wings and even move around a little. One eternal day, not long after that, a lowly angel had something to say, the first word spoken for an age. I remember the promise blossom, he said, and by some mystery of eternity, it was not quite so painful to say it out loud. I remember how it filled me with such hope. I remember how it faded. I remember how devastated I was. But I remember too, in the very place where the promise withered, 
fulfillment grew. These were the first ideas of their kind in eternity, and all the angels listened intently. Well, said the speaker, a little taken aback by the vast angelic audience, I was just wondering, maybe, I don't know, maybe in the place the fruit fell. You could have heard a pin drop in eternity at this point. I don't know, the angel floundered. Something might happen. His counterparts were hoping for more than a vague and desperate wish, but that angel was quite right. For out of sight, beneath the leaves, in all that cold and damp and dark and death, in that long-forgotten spot on the ground, a most unthinkable, a most unimaginable transformation was taking place. Can anyone remember where it fell? asked another angel. Look! cried the sharp-eyed chief of the recorders. It's true! Look! And once again they all looked, and they all saw, pushing its way up through the dark red earth, was a bright green shoot. Again, this is common to those of us who live in creation. We see things like this every year. But this was a shocking event in eternity when no such thing had ever taken place, not in all eternal history. Well, this shoot looked somehow familiar, but even the recording angels could not quite remember where they had seen it, or something very like it. It grew. Up and up and up it grew, straight up towards the golden green light, in the very direction the fulfilment fruit had fallen from. Shoots branched away from its main stem, and many buds opened, and all at once they knew exactly where they had seen it before. They could barely comprehend the reality in front of them, for right before their eyes, as you have guessed, of course you have, was a second great and ancient tree, but a young one, young and ancient. In fact, much later, two witnesses would say that it was as young and as ancient as springtime itself. Well, with this spiralling revelation of a second great and ancient tree, the entire angelic host turned to marvel at the original. All at once, they exploded with joy. They cheered again, they sang again, they danced together again, and again, they exulted, whatever that is. And of course, they flew and they swooped, because that's what angels do. In every way they knew, they celebrated day and night for a further age, as the young eternal tree blossomed all over again, with all of the promise, of all the fulfilment, of all the purpose and pleasure of the Father God himself. But a deeper and even more powerful mystery hung about the great and ancient tree and the sapling that came from it. Every angel eye watched in disbelief as the Father God began to rise. At precisely that moment, the invisible dove fluttered down from her perch high up in the canopy and alighted for a moment on his shoulder. Whatever next? asked all the angels together. The Father God raised his right arm. What is he going to do? they asked each other a little fearfully. He stretched out his hand over nothing. And then he opened his mouth. He is never going to speak, the angels asked. Is he? 
for never in eternal memory had the Father God actually spoken. With a flurry of invisible feathers, the dove was aloft again. She flew along the outstretched arm of the Father God, over his hand and out past the end of his fingertips, to hover over the barren void beyond. Everyone held their breath, and for one moment nothing could be heard but the beating of her wings. The angels covered their heads. The Father God spoke. Let there be. Be.